Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Let me know who you'd like to hear on this program and what you think of what you've heard so far. You can reach out to me via email, karen at karenhager.com, or find me on Instagram or Facebook, where I'm at Fog City Psychic. Now, how can we move the world from the fractured place where we are to a more cohesive way of being with each other. Dr. Kristen Donnelly is my guest today, and she's here to talk about the power of curiosity and how we change our worldviews and our perspectives as opposed to how we change our habits. And I feel like a lot of the way that we communicate with each other and fight with each other has more to do with habit and uh, trigger reaction than it does with our worldviews, our perspectives. She says that by using curiosity as the lens through which we see other people, we can build inclusive communities. Are you ready to meet her? Dr. Kristen Donnelly is a TEDx speaker, an international empathy educator, and a researcher with two decades of experience in helping people understand the beauty in difference and the power in inclusivity. She is one of the good doctors of Abbey Research, where she and Dr. Aaron Hinson seek to foster empathy and creativity to empower inclusive communities through cultural analysis and training. Kristen's also co-owner and COO of their parent company, as well as an unapologetic nerd for stories of joy, hope, and change. You can find out more about Kristen and her work at abby-research.com. That's A-B-B-E-Y-research.com. Dr. Kristen, welcome to Out of the Fog. My gracious, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a privilege. Uh, So I had planned the interview one way and right, I was telling you this before we got on the air, but right before we started this recording, I was involved in a passionate email exchange with someone who I definitely don't agree with. I'm not going to agree with her. And yet I love her with all my heart. And so Instead of asking general squishy questions about inclusivity, I think I'd like to start by asking you, does inclusivity mean, hmm, does it mean I have to try really hard to disagree with someone who holds views so antithetical to my own that I want to tear what remains of my hair out by the roots? Yes and no. Darn it. My best answer is that inclusivity is allowing every human to be themselves all the time. Mm. And that can mean that we are with people that we disagree with radically and can still hold that there are other parts of their humanity that are valid as well. So the reason that I frequently say that tolerance is what has gotten us to this very fractured place that we live in as a as a society. And the reason for that is that tolerance simply says you are this one thing that I don't like or I don't know about or I don't agree with. I'm going to flatten your entire humanity to this one thing. Yeah. And I'm just going to put up with it. 
I'm not going to engage with you. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm not going to try to love you. You are this thing now. You are not a human. You are this thing. And what I would like us to do is get rid of that because I think that's pretty garbage. And it doesn't do any of us any favors. And instead, shift our thinking about humanity to understanding that everybody is a human person who has dignity and value innately of the fact that they are a human person, just like we are. We all have things about us that are ugly, things that are beautiful and wonderful, things that are wise, things that are silly, things that we need to grow on, things that we're right about. We are all messy, gorgeous, unfinished beings. And the way that we human best is to do it together. Because really, frankly, like part of this driving thing for me is that none of us know how to be human. (laughs) Like none of us came with an instruction manual, right? So we're all figuring it out as we go along. And so, yeah, it absolutely means that you're in relationship with people you disagree with. And we can talk about this in a few minutes, but that's not necessarily being in a relationship with people who are toxic for you. There's a there's a precipice there that you don't need to cross over. I'm not advocating for unhealthy relationships. In fact, I think if we have inclusive relationships, we can have stronger boundaries because we can understand each other at a, at a richer level. But yeah, we have to move past only wanting to talk to people who agree with us all the time, because that's another thing that's gotten us here. It creates a kind of this reductionist echo chamber Mm -hmm. where I, I really like that. I like that definition that instead of flattening someone into one dimension, you are the like whatever politicians flag you fly on your long lawn, or you are this opinion or that opinion that you're talking about continuing to see people as three-dimensional human beings, no matter what. And that, that echo chamber we create when we only listen to our own views, when we only will engage with people who we agree with, that in a way flattens and reduces us. Yes, I completely agree. It's cheapening, it's cheapening the way to be human. And <laughs> We can all like, I mean, honestly, most of us are fine with what's happening right now um, on some level. Like we may be really exhausted and the cultural and communal trauma of 2020 and 2021 is no joke. And it's really, really intense. But I don't know how many people are craving to know people different than them. I wish more would because I really do believe it's the secret to everything. But I think, you know, a lot of people are kind of fine. What I know from all of my research and all of my study and all of my life is that we never have to settle for fine. We can always strive for richer and fuller and deeper and more. And that's just where, that's where I think our our souls are truly craving to be. And so that's where I want us to go. And that deeper and richer and more, it's from that, that's the fertile field where new ideas are born, where new alliances are forged, where we maybe can start to dream and then create something better, something different, something maybe with more vision than we have right now. Yeah, because none of us have all the answers. None of us understand everything perfectly. And I'm a person of deep, deep faith. And my scriptures have the have a phrase in them that we are only seeing through a glass darkly. And someday we will understand, but that someday is not now. And so 
as we are all seeing through glasses darkly, let's all do it together. And I frequently joke that that sounds like a Hallmark card or like a, a kumbaya pipe dream, but truly it's the best way to human. Every faith system around the world, every understandings of higher power, every spirituality discipline talks about connectivity. Every single one, none of them teach about being an island or only being with people that you agree with. It talks about iron sharpening iron and, you know, really kind of being human in a full sense. And yet, especially over the last, I would say, you know, 10 to 15 years, we've gotten more and more and more and more siloed. And it's a whole lot easier to pretend that we are right about everything all the time. And we're just not. We're just, we're just not. And so understanding us ourselves in a communal sense also means that we have to understand that some things we don't know a lot about, some things we do know a lot about. This is a way I can serve. This is a way I need to be served. And we can be multidimensional in ways that being among sameness doesn't allow us to be, because if we're only among sameness, we are terrified to break the sameness. Right. If the entire bonding point is this thing, then we can't ever not be this thing or we've lost our entire world. But if we are full humans all the time, then we have a lot of different points of connection at a lot of different places. And we can change our minds about stuff as we move, grow and figure things out. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no. I'm always about to say something. That's, that's one of the things about being me. Um, it, what I'm thinking as you're saying this is that I'm thinking about my response to that email exchange, which was a very polite exchange. All the storm was in me right? The storm wasn't in the words or in what that person said or what I said. Uh, the storm was all in me as I was trying to carefully type back. And I'm just thinking as you say this, that that our the way we respond when or react, I guess, when those, when that sense of rigidity, when that we are, if we are this thing, then we must always be this thing. The way we respond when that gets triggered says a lot about who we then are as people who are seeing through the glass darkly, who don't have full understanding. We can respond with that, with the, with the temper tantrum, which is how I responded, which is the not great response, right? The, the rigid response. Or we could maybe respond with curiosity, with openness, with asking, asking some questions so we can expand into that bigger way of seeing. Basically, yes. Thank you for summarizing my entire business model in a, in a sentence. <laughs> That'll be $25. Thank you. You are very, very welcome. Um, no, I think that's it. If we, the way I usually, the way I close my, my first TEDx talk was with a benediction that asked people to open up their lives and let other people walk around inside of it and then do the same for other people. And that the first time they hit difference, that their knee jerk would be curiosity instead of defensiveness. And wow. that is, I am just convinced with every fiber of my being that that's it, that that's the next thing we have to do as a human race, as a human, as human people. And then, you know, I'm sure there's other things we have to do, but let's start there. Let's get really good at that. And then we'll try something else. And I'm the, the person that's always been like, listen, the greatest commandment is to love others as you love yourself. And all of us are pretty crappy at that. Yeah. So I don't want to try anything else until I get really good at that. When I master that and I'm really good at that, then I can do some other things. And that's the 
same thing I'm talking about here. Love is an active entity. It is an animating feature of all of our lives. And it is the thing that allows me to sit across the table from people that I believe with every marrow of me are wrong. And I know they're wrong. They're factually wrong in some cases. And, and I, I know this, this, we can't just make up facts. So I know they're incorrect. But what matters in that moment is not me telling them that they're correct or incorrect, because that's not what they're there for. They're there to be validated as a person and be loved. Because absolutely nobody changes their mind through shaming or statistics. They may change those behaviors, but they don't change their minds. They don't change how they see the world. We change those through relationships and stories. And those things are what bind us together in love. Hmm. And maybe part of it starts by being curious about our own our own story our own responses why am i so triggered by this what is it in me i have a, a quote by martin shaw hanging over my desk that says what needs to change what kindness in me have i so abandoned that i could seek relationship with and so for me a lot of the time it comes back to being curious about why why do i respond that way what would happen if i did something different? What little shift could I make? What kindness have I so abandoned in me that I could reach out and, and seek relationship with that, with that kindness again? A lot of what's going on in the world right now is about, it's part of why I wanted to interview you because you speak with passion and humor, um, with, with clarity and, and there's not shouting. Um, when we are able to look at ourselves and our paths, that makes us curious about other people and their paths, and then whether or not they are factually accurate, whether we agree or not, we can sit at the same table and not feel maybe like our own identities are being compromised. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. My gracious, there is I think some of it, yeah, we've tied a whole lot of our worth in being correct um, and rather than being loved and worthy mm -hmm. and enough. And there's a lot of reasons for that that I can pontificate sociologically on for a long time that would bore everybody. The core of it is that when we don't know who we are and we do not believe that we are enough, we will seek validation through anything else. Hmm. And so the work always, you are completely correct, begins with us. It begins, our definition of emotional intelligence, for example, is doing the work to go inside of you to understand your history, your worldview, your lens, your perspective, and then understand how it interacts with the lenses, perspectives, worldviews, and et cetera, of other people. And sometimes that means unlearning a whole lot about how we thought the world was supposed to be or was. It means unlearning how we thought America works. It means unlearning how we thought we work. It's the, it's the process of unlearning and relearning and undoing and redoing and, and going through it. And in my mind, that's adulthood. Like the process of constantly humaning is adulthood, hmm. which is one of the reasons it's so exhausting. But it does come with the perk of being able to eat ice cream whenever you want. So I'll take it. <laughs> The, the deal is though that it's work, it's a discipline. It's a, I talk about empathy as an intellectual posture rather than an emotional response. It is a way we move through the world 
engaging our brains and our souls with the brains and souls of other people so that we can understand, not agree, not condone, not endorse, but understand. And understanding leads to inclusivity in a way that condoning, agreeing actually can prevent. Because if you just automatically agree or can or automatically agree with or align with or whatever without doing the work and investigating if you do or not, or you know, you've built an echo chamber and everybody's around you, you may have lost connection with all of the various facets of yourself because we're a mess of contradictions. Yeah. We're all the biggest hypocrites about our own lives, but that's part of being human. <laughs> Like we love problematic things. We are, we don't know what we're going. I mean, we as a human race have invented the phrase guilty pleasure because we are so convinced (laughs) that, that there is pleasure that can be wrong, which there's not, by the way, I completely reject that phrase. Um, If you, if what you love doesn't hurt anybody, like you do you boo, it does not matter. Um, So anytime somebody asks me my guilty pleasure, I'll say it does not exist. These are the things that bring me joy, but Regardless, we are a mess of contradictions all the time because we are uncomfortable in our own skin. And we are always in the process of being known and knowing. And that always involves growth and always involves contradictions and and cognitive dissonance. Always. You are listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Kristen Donnelly. She is one of the good doctors at Abbey Research, and you can find out more about Kristen and her work at abbeyresearch.com. That's A-B-B-E-Y-research.com, abbey-research.com. Now, I know we only have about 10 minutes left together, but when I think of a massive contradiction, I'm just grinning broadly, as you gave us that quote from 1 Corinthians I'm just grinning broadly because look at St. Paul, right? A mass of contradictions. Yeah. Um, He's one of my very, he's one of my all-time favorite (laughs) Bible bad boys slash good boys, right? Massive contradictions. And in all of us, we have that ability to be, we have, we have the ability to be more than just the way we're showing up right now. So if we're showing up with bad behavior, we have more available than how we're showing up right now. If we're showing up blind, there's another way for us to show up. If we show up accepting, there are even other choices. We could go rigid again. We could be even more accepting. There is always people who listen to the show now are smiling themselves, but they know I always say there's always, always more. Can you please let the listeners know how they might gently and and kind of sweetly start to cultivate their own curiosity, especially if, like me, they found themselves trapped in an echo chamber of reactivity? The very first thing to do is be gentle with yourself and to forgive yourself for getting to that place and to remember that you are generally, as a rule, doing the best you can. When we're all on a journey, I hear this a lot. I talk to people and they'll be like, well, I'm so ashamed. I should have known better. No, well, maybe, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 2015, you was doing the best you could. You know more now. And so you're doing the best that 2021 you can. Hmm. Don't get mad at 2015, you. You got some other stuff going on. It's okay. We're all learning. We can be held accountable for those things but we can't beat ourselves up or be ashamed or tear our, you know, or wear our sackcloth and ashes over a decision that we made, a joke we made, a viewpoint we used to have. Except that if everybody else is imperfect, you are as well. 
get used to saying, I'm sorry, I didn't know, teach me things like that, rather than beating yourself up for the things you didn't know prior. That's the first thing. The second thing is pick one thing. Often I talk to people that are so overwhelmed by all they didn't know, all they don't know about the world, all the things that are grieving them, that it, they feel like they're at this really in massive buffet line and they don't know where to start. Hmm. I'd like you to start with the appetizer menu and pick one thing. Pick one thing. If you are feeling very convicted that you don't know a lot about, for example, something that's been in the news recently about the, the lives and plight of indigenous children at state run schools in Canada and the United States. You didn't even know there was those schools until we started finding mass graves in Canada. Okay, that's fine. Good news for you. There's so much to learn. Start there. Maybe you were unaware that a phrase that you've been using is actually pretty racist. Okay, start there. Stop using it. Maybe there's, uh, you have a friend who has been going through terrible, terrible loss and tragedy. And the first thing on your tongue in a way to kind of um, comfort them was to tell them that everything works out for a reason. And then you sit back and you realize, man, that's not comforting. That was actually probably re-traumatizing. I shouldn't say that anymore. Start there. Learn what you should say instead. Do some research on trauma. Sit with the trauma of other people. And the good news for all of us these days is that there are third-party ways to do this without talking to anybody that we love at first. So like the first steps in your journey to being more inclusive in this one area can always be with a TED Talk, a documentary, a novel, something else where you can sit with that stuff for a little bit before you start sitting with it with other live human persons right in front of you. So start getting educated. Start having that conversation within yourself. Start in one place. My website and our YouTube and our Instagram have lots and lots and lots of resources for you to start in any of the intersections you'd like to learn more about. You can also directly get in touch with us and we'd love to help you figure out where you should start if you're still feeling really overwhelmed. But the best advice I can always give is give yourself grace and pick one thing. That's gentle and it's gentle and kind of meaty guidance because giving ourselves permission to choose is often the beginning of that journey of compassion and curiosity. Can I choose here? Do I have a choice? Yes, of course you have a choice, right? If you're not seeing clearly, make the next compassionate step. Now you are the co-host of a wonderful podcast called, um, called the culture cast. I have to, I can't have you on the show without asking about Bridgerton. You're fascinated by Bridgerton and I'd like to know what you think, what you think of it. I watched it. So I had hip surgery, watched Bridgerton and I may have been under the influence of painkillers as I watched Bridgerton, but I absolutely loved it. And I was swept up in it. And the part of me that was raised to be very politically correct, the part of me that is a white mother of black children, wondered if I, am I allowed to enjoy that or should I not enjoy it because I'm supposed to be feeling a different way or does my enjoying it show that I see what I mean? It, I enjoyed it and it gave me a stomachache at the same time. Okay. My thing with that always is you can enjoy something and understand its flaws and also call it to more. 
Love it. So the reason you're caught up in it is that those people are very good at their job. This I've read that series, I don't know, 15 times. I don't reread books, but I have relived Bridgerton so many times. Julia Quinn is very good at her job. And then Chris Van Dusen is very good at his and taking it to a show. So it is immersive. It is sweeping. It is joy. It is love at its most carnal and beautiful. How many times do we get to see a woman's pleasure on television? Almost never. Right. And yet, you know, Daphne's is prioritized on that show, which is so gorgeous. How they handled some of the colorism and the race was dodgy at, at most generous and ignorant at worst, and they can grow and do better. And I'm excited to see what season two brings. But for me, romance as a genre is important for all of us to engage with because it's structured joy. It guarantees you that this, that the, the two protagonists at the end of this thing will find a happily ever after. So you can lose yourself in the details, in the questions, in the whatever, because you are promised a specific ending. Life doesn't come with that. No. And so I find it beautiful to be able to rest in these stories and let ourselves engage with the humanity of different characters in different ways and different empathies and different understandings, because you know it's going to work out. And because there are no guilty pleasures. Yep. It's all right to see beauty and intrigue and passion and wonder what's going to happen next and have it for that moment, only be that. Oh, 100%. You're allowed to turn off your critical lens every once in a while, for sure. You're allowed. Good, because I'm waiting for season two. Oh, I can't um, wait. Trust me, it's my favorite. It's my second favorite book of the whole series. So books two and four are my favorite. I love Colin's story and Anthony's story more than anything. And I am so excited for everybody to meet Anthony's wife. So Kristen, thank you so much um, for being on the show. What Great fun to talk to you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. That is Dr. Kristen Donnelly. She is one of the good doctors at Abbey Research, and you can find out more about Kristen and her work at abbey-research.com. So A-B-B-E-Y-research.com. Com. And you can check out, um, well, the website's got a ton of great things on it. Her TEDx talk is going to be up there soon. And check out her new um, podcast, The Culture Cast. It's not just about Bridgerton. They cover, there's a ton of wealth of information there and on their YouTube channel as well. So check out abby-research.com. And of course, you can always connect with me at karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events and see what's coming up on this radio program. You can also always email me directly, Karen at KarenHager.com and check uh, out what I'm offering on. <laughs> I, I'm laughing as I say this because often what I'm offering on Facebook and Instagram is things about what's happening on the radio show, uh, snippets from mail that comes into my junk mail folder and, um, you know, Oracle cards and things that catch my eye. So it's kind of a hodgepodge over there. So find me on Facebook. I'm at Fog City Psychic and I'm at Fog City Psychic on Instagram as well. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. <laughs>